Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 610. Satisfying the friend requirement. We're going to talk about some friends. We're going to talk about some jokes for your classroom. And, uh, and maybe something you may want to use in the new year. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurr. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. Hey, hey, hey. Co-show host. You know, okay. it's hard to say, and I think I managed to say it just about every week. And it's always like, you do. Things like, not going to trip over it, not going to trip over it, not going to trip over it, which, by the way, does not help you not trip over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, hey, uh, you know, it's a new year. so It um, is. I, I applied to be a doorman, but I didn't get the job it was due to lack of oh. experience. Really? Yeah, it surprised me. I really thought it was a entry level position. Uh yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, take you to new heights. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yep. Um, I couldn't get a reservation at the library. You couldn't. No, they were completely booked. Oh, sure, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, they say Tiger Stadium can hold 56,000 people. Hmm. That's just a ballpark figure. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want a brief explanation of what an acorn is? Yes, please. Uh, in a nutshell, it's an oak tree. Sure enough. In, an, yep. in, an, in, a, nut, in a nutshell. So, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. You cracked that one open. <clears throat> mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my wife told me I had to stop impersonating a flamingo. Why is that? You know, but hey, I had to put my foot down. Yes. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How'd that you know, go? It's a, good, it's a good thing to know sign language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure you got some sign language with that last one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a good thing to know sign language. It's pretty handy. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I started a new business this year because again, it's a new year. So it is. You're I, I decided to make yachts in my uh, attic. Hey, Jethro Gibbs puts them in his basement. Why not the attic? <laughs> yeah, sales are going through the roof. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. It's okay. okay. We have some help for you later in the show. <laughs> let's, let's try to get this back on track and turn it over to the the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski. He has one this week. Yeah. On the International Space Station. And one of Ooh, my favorite it's out of lines. This world. It's out of this yeah. world. And yeah. one of my favorite lines is, it includes the end zone. Ooh. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bitlowski in the Middle School Science Minute. 
Hi, this is David Lowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading a special issue of USA Today entitled NASA at 65, and it was published in October of 2023. And within the special edition, there was an article about the International Space Station, which just celebrated 25 years, but now is getting ready to be brought back down to Earth. And the article was entitled, 25 Years Up There. And within the article, they said that 25 years ago, in December of 1998, the first two elements of the International Space Station were connected by shuttle astronauts. From these two pieces, the U.S.-built Unity and Russian-made Zara modules, the International Space Station has grown to about the size of a six-bedroom home and the length of an American football field, including the end zones. It has been continuously occupied since November of 2000. More than 260 people from more than 20 countries have visited, including crew members and a handful of tourists. The International Space Station is a busy orbital outpost, a microgravity laboratory, and a stepping stone for NASA's Artemis missions to the moon and eventually human missions to Mars. The technical lifespan of the station is limited by its primary structure, which includes the modules, radiators, and trusses. After 2030, NASA will need to bring the space station out of orbit, which means crashing it into the ocean far from any populated areas. Once all crew have safely returned to Earth and after the final target has been plotted in the South Pacific Oceanic Uninhabited Area, space station operators will perform a re-entry burn, providing the final push to lower the station as much as possible and ensure safe atmospheric entry. The South Pacific Oceanic Uninhabited Area, also known as the Spacecraft Cemetery, is located near Point Nemo, the spot on Earth that is farthest from land. Bringing spacecraft down there ensures that anything surviving re-entry will do no harm. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. Mm. All right. You know, I do wonder, um, mm -hmm. in part, yeah. why, and, and this is something maybe Dave can let us know, why do they bring some of these things down into the ocean instead of just like sending them to the sun? Um, I don't know that. I don't know if, if you watch a lot of science fiction movies, you know, that's like the beginning of a really, really <laughs> bad science fiction movie. Right. Right. It's how the, it's how the disaster happens in the first place. And <laughs> And yeah, your imagination takes you from there, but yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm just curious because we could get rid of some of this space junk, but we bring it back and make it ocean junk. Well, um, give somebody to something to dive for. Um, then, uh, let's see, um, souvenirs, right. You know, it turns it into some sort of ceramic, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. That's Dave would know. Dave would know the answer to this question. These are just things that, that I think of. <laughs>
<laughs> as we go through our rat holes of <laughs> this is why we go through rat holes <laughs> hey um all right uh let's do some reports from the front line as hazel is apparently reporting from her front line sorry about that um you've been off so you don't have you've been off from work so you don't have tons of things but i did wonder if you were willing to share about the juice this week the juice the juice sure the juice yeah um so i think it kind of segues into the other thing i, I didn't realize we we're going to talk about the juice so uh my district has been working with a nonpartisan news daily news um, group called the juice and they do nonpartisan articles. They, they vet them within uh, the group to make sure that they're nonpartisan. They're there. They're pretty good. I like the articles. And then the articles are written at four different levels. And then you can give the same article to all of your kids and it's at their level. And then as they read over the course of 60 days, it evaluates their answers and their responses. And it'll say, we need to move this kid up. We need to move this kid down. We need to adjust or do something different with this kid to give them either more of a challenge or reduce the challenge because they're just not being successful. So um was on a, uh, a conference call with them or a conference call. I did a video call with them this week. And they've always been wonderful. I have to tell you, I've been super happy with the folks at the Juice. They are responsive. They listen. Um and then when you say we're having this issue, they're like on it and they respond right away and go, all right, so if I do this, can I fix that? And if I do this, will it fix that? And and they've been really, really good about working with us on some things. Um, but we've run into a couple of things. One of them is LMS management. And of course, that's not something that they do in-house. They, they farm that out to another company. But that company uh, has made it uh, challenging to work with Google Classroom. And so we've, we're working our way through solving some of those problems. Um, but the Juice folks have been really, really good. If you've not played with them, I know we talked about them before in the show, but it's, you know, um, they're really, really good. One of the things we're finding is that in order for our kids to use the Juice, the kids can't be in individual teacher Google Classrooms. So if a kid is in your Google Classroom and I want to use the Juice with them, I can't because they're in your classroom. I can't push the article out to them. So they have to log in using the LMS. And then we have to build one Google Classroom for the entire grade in some cases. So, but here's the thing. If everybody pushes a different article in, then it's like drinking out of a fire hose, right? Right, right. And it just becomes overwhelming for the kids. So we're trying to figure out a way to maybe streamline this and make this a little more... Um, efficient because now i mean it's nice that the kids have lots to read um it, uh, sometimes it's too much of a good thing so we're working out how to do that but there's some couple new features that they've they've added that i think are going to be kind of fun uh, in reporting data and measuring data and examining things with the kids so uh i'll talk more about those as we play with those but new features that just came out um and uh, if you go to the juice, you can find some some really good stuff over there at the juice. So I did talk about how maybe, you know, if we integrated this with Moodle, then we might not run into this problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, 
my that's not his problem. That's my district's problem. They said no, we want to do it in Google Classroom, not in Moodle, and so I got I got shut down on that one. Um, so we are we're working it. We're trying to make the the situation better, and um, as we do that, uh, we found typos. Um, apparently, the district when they put in student emails for the LMS, they put in type they didn't spell the and that it wasn't as specific to a kid like it was like the domain name they got wrong wait like, wait 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 this is where the technology director aspect of me goes what <laughs> how can yeah. you have typos you don't you shouldn't be typing anything it should be a import export kind of situation should be should be or and yet, it should be uh, an api call situation Correct. I mean, it could be an export because you could set up a a nightly um, a nightly export and SFTP, and you know it would be better if it's an API call. But mm, I get it; that's a little harder to do. So, but you shouldn't be you shouldn't have like typos because it should be automated. Yeah. <laughs> like you shouldn't you shouldn't have yeah. single letters dropped off the ends of words no you know? should not yeah. <laughs> no and that's that's what messed up some of them was um and it was the it was the it wasn't at the end of the whole line of everything it was at the end or is at the end so there's there's three words that make up our our student email addresses and i'm not going to talk about them over the air but there's that in the at the right. end of the first word it should be plural instead of singular. And it was singular. All I had to do was add an S and it would fix the entire thing. How is it that they got that without the S? Uh, something that puzzles me because it it's yeah. that, that, that screams human error, not computer error, but it does. yeah. But if we did it through a LTI, little LTI, it seems like that would kind of, fix and solve that whole problem. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd want to automate that so that nobody was typing it. And it, and, and actually, it's kind of amazing because that should make nothing work. <laughs> if you have a typo in a domain, it should mean that nothing works. Right, but it didn't show up in every kid. It showed up mm -hmm. in just a couple of kids. That's weird. Which makes me if it if it, if it was done when it was hand in when it was put in by hand, that means nothing should work for that kid. Now you're saying, boy, you'd have figured that out, right? Because you'd have seen it beforehand. No, uh, middle schoolers know how to play the game, and if they decide not to do anything all year long, and they <laughs> never log into something, then right. you'll never know that there's a problem. Right. Yeah, that is true. Oh. All right, so you've been doing that, and then you've been um, you've been doing other fantastic, interesting, fascinating <laughs> things with your time off. I'm certain you have not been well, sleeping you, in at all. You've not I been. <laughs> I need to, and I haven't. It's break is over, and I haven't slept in like I should, and just like giving my body rest. I just haven't done it. Yeah. It's been go go go, fun stuff. Um, Largely because H5P had to be updated for a lot of the stuff in my Moodle courses. And I've apparently I've got over 500 H5P things in my Moodle courses. That takes some time. Um, 
and it can't be done as a batch file. It's got to be done as a single, do each one of these, run it through this other thing first. Through Lumi, if those of you use H5P. Lumi, Lumi, love Lumi, love Lumi. Definitely going to be a fan of Lumi for a long time. But in, in Moodle, you really shouldn't have to do each individual one updating H5P. Yeah. But you also have the... I don't know how to say this. You have the situation where you are not the admin, so you can't just update right. the uh, update the uh, update the plugin, which would probably right. be way more efficient. It would. Uh, well, the problem started when Risa uh, updated the plugin, and the plugin was newer than the the. Uh, instance of Moodle that we're running. And so Moodle is right. now deprecated to the point where H5P is more update than Moodle is. And as a result, it creates this narrow band of H5P uh, right. text on the, on the, on the screen, which is annoying, mm -hmm. but not, not a killer, but I mean, yeah, now you went from a single page to, miles and miles of scrolling because everything's all scrunched down to about 10 characters, 15 characters wide. Um, yeah. So I'm going through and just, I'm not sure when they're going to upgrade our Moodle. They won't do it during the school year anyway. So the rest of my school year needs to be, um, you have to really, you, you can reuse, download the uh, H5P, run it through Lumi and then push it. And, the, and running through it, you simply just open it in Lumi, save it and push it back to your Moodle. That's all you have is, to do. Totally fixes the problem. Fix, by the way. It's sort of a fix because once I put it in Lumi, I saved it and I push it over. Um, I can't use the reuse feature on my H5P. So if I ever have to go in and change it, I'm going to have to create a, a new, I'm going to have to create new. So um, there's that. Yeah. So and by that time, I'm probably going to have to create new anyway. So I'm not worried about it a whole lot. And I'm wondering if Risa does update, then you'd get the reuse feature back. And if you go in to edit it, can you download it and then reuse it? The the ones that are updated by Lumi, I can't reuse. The ones that are H5P, the black box uh, kind, I totally can reuse. So I'm thinking it's a thing in Lumi that I didn't set. Mm, okay. It's, it's a little different. Um, yeah. So, well, and that, that also led to, we had a discussion uh, again about, um, you know, the advantages of Moodle and having things in Moodle and it being private and secure and consistent. And um, it's just something that people aren't, aren't always taking into consideration until it's too late. <laughs> right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And I've been so, uh, really appreciating um, um, the fact that it is secure, private, and behind firewalls and that sort of thing. Where uh, it's, it's not some place where um, uh, somebody from the outside is going to come in and, and, and holler and scream at a kid for um, having a, an, a, an opinion. So we had we had a, a teacher who's no longer with the district, um, and I was passing them in the hallway as I was headed out to grab something from my truck and could not, this is not something I wanted to hear, but heard it as I'm headed 
out the door, uh, berating a student for having a different opinion than them. It wasn't a wrong oh. opinion, just a different opinion. And I was thinking, this is not what we need to be teaching our kids. Um, and the nice thing is that we can have those things inside Moodle without that and build this nice little shell where then you can also then, when you see it, pull the kid aside privately and go, okay, so let's talk about this. Um, you know, you, you know, you don't need to go after a kid just because their opinion is different than yours. Right. And you can have these civil discussions and teaching civility, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've done some foreign forum work with uh, my kids so far this year. Uh, and it's mm -hmm. turned out really well. Um, I did a WooClap. This is not inside Moodle, but WooClap does work with Moodle. Um, but I did a WooClap with my eighth graders. And we watched the seventh graders do a reader's theater presentation. And the, the, eighth, the seventh graders wanted our eighth graders to give them feedback. And so I created a WooClap where I, the kids could, after the presentation was done, the kids went in and they, they had two questions to answer. They had to rate it on a scale of one to five. And then the second page was, what, uh, what did you like? And what's one piece of advice or what would you like to have seen in their presentations? And it was really good advice as I went through and looked at it. It was rather mature and it was respectful and it was really well done. So I gave it to the seventh grade teacher and both of us a PDF and as a uh, um, CSV file. And she's going to turn that into a little presentation where she's going to show it with the, to, to her kids when they get back. And I think they're going to appreciate it a lot. She appreciates uh, what they've done inside of that. But that's something I could have done inside a forum discussion as well, right. inside Moodle. And I could have included those kids in that Moodle and said, hey, you know, take a look. Take a look and see. So, and you mentioned Reader's Theater, which, as you know, I am liberally stealing from you, <laughs> working yeah. on, on, on stealing that. Um, uh, could you talk a little bit about Reader's Theater and kind of what it is and how it works? Well, Reader's Theater is where you don't have to do build the set and do a lot of the acting. All the acting is done with your voice. And so it's really about knowing and understanding the words and the meaning behind the words than it is just about reading. Because a lot of kids will sit there and read the words. And I have a lot of kids who have at one time been ELLs or they live in a home that has uh, that doesn't speak English. They speak another language in the home. Yes. And so when they, a lot of their English is done at school. And so reader's theater, I think is important. I listen to them read, right. And, uh, and, and it is one word at a time, which is how little kids read. And I want them to start understanding that there's a whole world, right behind it and that they could just open it up and start understanding meaning behind words and read in thoughts and read in sentences. Um, our kids are hugely behind my kids. I say my seventh graders are hugely behind when it comes to reading. And a large part of it is because they think in individual words when it comes to the reading, instead of re thinking in concepts and what's the whole big idea that I can deal with. So reader's theater, the seventh grade teacher did it with her, her kids, seventh grade teacher, the seventh grade teacher on my team. I also have an eighth grade <laughs> enrichment. I should, this is going to get confusing if I don't explain. So everybody on my team has seventh grade kids, except me. I have all of our team kids, but then I have one group of eighth grade because we had to let 10 teachers go in our district. And so I had to pick up an eighth grade class, which is fine. And I love my eighth graders. I really do. Some of them, I love them, especially when they're sleeping. 
at home. Do it more often. <laughs> um, that's not true. I wish they were in my room. I want them in my room. Yeah. Um, the when the kids, my kids, were watching uh, Mrs. Shiley's kids uh, doing her um, readers' theater. I had a number of them come up to me later and say, can we do that too? Can we do that too? And so I have a social studies enrichment. So what I did was I went and chose uh, five, I think it was, I can't remember the exact number, five uh, readers theater scripts that are um, within the scope of their eighth grade social studies class. So I picked things that are going to pop up. I, one's uh, Sybil Lennington, you know, uh, she was like Paul Revere, um, except she ran a different route down to New York uh, direction. Um, uh, Lincoln's um, Spy Network, because their kids are going to cover the Civil War. Um, Cato by Joseph Addison. Every founding father had a copy of Cato in their pocket, and they would reference it when they were talking with each other. So it might be good to know that. And because the language is a little more difficult, I'm going to have to give the kids some bonus points for doing it, but I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm having going to do either uh, as a five act play. So have them do one of the scenes from act one or act five, probably the closing scene. And then some good speeches. And then, um, uh, Oh, one on child labor. So talk about the industrialization movement of the 18, forties uh, uh, and fifties. And, um, so child labor and child labor laws were enacted to keep kids in school and keep them out of the workhouse. So I've got one in there about that. So all of these things tie in with, it's going to be interdisciplinary with their social studies class. I have not told their social studies teachers that I did this yet. Actually teacher, because <laughs> they're all in one class. My fourth hour goes to this one teacher for fifth hour social studies. So we're going to actually, we're going to piggyback and do more, more things together where I'm going to like front load stuff. That's just going to like, mm -hmm. they get at my class and they walk in the hearse and like, yeah, we just talked about that. So they can, maybe we can, you know, up the, the level of conversation um, in that fifth hour. Not that it's low, but you know, front load it so that mm -hmm. it gets richer and deeper. So I have, uh, I've got those selections and then um, I did, I went and purchased them because I'm not going to write my own reader's theater. I've, other things to do with my vacation time, except go on vacation. Um, I got you not believe I posted on Facebook. You wouldn't believe the number of messages I got that said, you're on vacation, Sean, you should stop doing this. Yeah, I know I should, but I still do it. Um, the, uh, so I went to teachers pay teachers and found, uh, um, an author that has done a really good job. These are not long because my eighth graders don't have grit. They don't have the ability to do things for a long period of time. And that's another reason why Cato is going to get uh, bonus points. If somebody picks it and sticks with it, oh, I am still going to reward that. Um, and it came as a PDF file, which I use PDF pen. It's an old app. They sold off mm -hmm. to another company. I don't like the new app as much as I like the old one. So I'm sticking with the old one for now. PDF pen does this wonderful thing where you highlight the different sections of the PDF and you'll say, you know what? I want to create a new document out of these pages. Boom. Do it. So I ripped the part that's for the kids, just for the kids. I ripped that out and I put that there so the kids can read it. Cause I don't want them to see the answer key or the questions in advance, right? I want them focused only on one thing rather than splitting their focus amongst a whole bunch of things. 
And then I put the questions page in as a different thing. And I kept the key and the other stuff, the teacher part. I put that in a teacher folder where only the teachers can see it and mess with it and deal with it. Um, and then I'm going to let the kids go through and see all the scripts because they were, they're going to see everything. They're going to look at it first before they make any decisions. And I use the term decisions extremely lightly because, you know, middle school students, it ain't going to be one decision. It's going to be changed my mind a thousand times, right? So I decided rather than have them running around and, and peer pressure their friends going, pick me, pick me, and then I won't do any work. And I'll just sit there and make you do all the work which is something that happens. And they happened last year with this group because I had them. Um, I'm going to do a group choice where they're going to be able to see their choices. They can switch as many times as they want. But after a certain point, there's no more switching. And you're in that group and it's that's the way it's going to be. And it's done. Um, but that way they can have those conversations and they can say, yeah, I know I was going to do it with you, but I think this, and they can have the conversation about we're really good friends, but I don't think we work well together. And I don't want to hate you at the end of this. And let's, let's just work in different groups for now. Cause a lot of times that's the way it works and the kids are okay with it. They want to have that conversation and they've satisfied the friend requirement. Right. Right. And so that's done. That's out of the way. So they got a script and, and then uh, there's a group choice where the uh, in Moodle, and so the kids are going to choose their group. And like I said, they can see who's in which groups and they can jump back and forth and they're going to, have to do a lot of management. I'm going to tell them to show them how to, to manage a script where, you know, you might have to have somebody who, who reads roles one, two, three, and four, but remember this is readers theater. So it's all voice acting. And so you don't change costumes. You change your voice in the way that you say things so they can take on these different roles and different persona, which is one of the characteristics of middle schoolers. They want to do these things anyway. So I'm, I'm trying to feed right into that. And then um, I've done something that I've done with these kids in the past on different things, but I'm going to ask them to create questions from their script for other kids to answer as well as themselves. Now, each one of them has their own student quiz activity module in, in Moodle. They can only see theirs. Nobody outside their groups can see their set of questions and I'll give them a chance to answer the questions and compete amongst themselves and that sort of thing. And that's great. Cadbury has a sale on Lidley's little Cadbury candy bars right now on Amazon. And I am stocking up on these little candy bars and <laughs> winners are getting little Cadbury candy bar. Um, but then I'm going to take these and I'm going to dump them into a big grand because every question they create goes into a question bank and you can move those questions from that bank or duplicate them. Uh, and you can put it into a grand bank or a specific bank or some other bank. And then you can use them for your own test questions. And so I'm going to tell them at the very end, there's going to be a quiz on each one of these plays. And, 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 and you're going to have to pay attention because you're going to have to catch it. Now I'm leaving the script there. So you can go and study the script too, if you want, but you're going to have to pay attention because there's going to be a, a, a quiz or test at the end of all this. What I'm not telling them is I'm going to take their questions. I'm going to take the best questions. And I'm going to push them over into that one question bank. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make a test or a quiz. And I'm going to say, you know what? Give me five random questions from that one, that, that script or that play. Give me the necklace by Guido Mopesso. That's another one I put in there. Um, 1800s uh, stories. Um, give me one from um, Sybil Ludd Ludington, give me one from 
uh, Cato or not one, but give me a set of whatever. Right. So there might be 50 questions in there. I don't know. The kids, are, this group really likes to write questions. Um, but I'm only going to pull a random number of, from each one, ra- pull five random questions from 50. Right. And so, um, everybody's test will be a little different and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and this can be their questions and that's okay too. And then I would just take that quiz grade and push it over into my grade book and all, all the work is done by them. And that's one of the things that I really, really like about this is because you have the kids taking ownership. They're, they're picking which story they want. Now, granted, they're picking from a, a discrete set, right? So they're not yes. just picking anything. So, you know, the, the teacher has to do the work of saying these are quality, um, this is quality material, pick from this quality material that addresses what we need to address. But then the, the kids are responsible for reading and developing and doing something with that information, right? So, that you, and they're working on their oral skills, which is one of those skills that we know kids need to develop. Right. And then the kids are creating the questions and you learn a lot when kids create the questions. Yeah. Right. You learn what yeah, they think a good question is and you learn what they think is important. So they're creating the questions. And then because you're using the student quiz um, plugin, you can take exactly those questions and you can approve them or not approve them. <laughs> and um, and then from that, you're, quote, you're making a final exam <laughs> by mm-hmm. saying, you know, here's 10 questions from Cato, um, and here's 10 questions from the necklace, and here's 10 questions from, and here's 10 questions from, and then saying, um, you, there's basically, you, you create the quiz you, and you say just hey randomly give each kid two questions or three questions or five questions or whatever you want from each one of these so you also have each kid giving it getting a different test which then helps with the um student to student assistance <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i.e cheating <laughs> yeah you know because you don't have the same questions in the same order you don't even have, you may not even have all of the same questions. Uh, so it makes it harder to look over someone's shoulder and um, utilize that external brain known as someone else um, to to help you on the quiz. Uh, so the kids here are doing the vast majority of the work. Now you have work to do, but it's different than what is the traditional teacher role right traditionally the teacher would be making up the questions traditionally the teacher would be putting together the final exam uh, copying and pasting those questions from wherever or writing new questions but um, but this puts the emphasis on students and the student work and they're taking ownership of that so one other thing I want to mention is when it comes to filtering questions, I have help because at the end, when the kids go do through and answer their questions, they have to rate it. 
give each question a rating. And so I don't have to actually read every single question. I go through and look at the ratings and, and the kids are, are kind of brutal with each other. You know, this is a bad (laughs) question. If it's a bad question, they will totally, you know, one point or less. Right. Right. And the good ones they'll, they'll give, they'll give good points to. And so it's, it's pretty good filter for me. I just look at the ones they rate the best. And those are the ones I pull into that bank and there you go. You know, and that's so. a, another prospect of the another aspect of this for the kids because the kids are now cre- they're considering those questions and they're considering, yeah, is this a five point question? Is this a one point question? So it's more of that metacognition for the kids. Uh, mm-hmm. They have to evaluate. Hence, hence again, why I'm planning on stealing this one like crazy. <laughs> it's all yours. You don't have to steal. Sawyers. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I appreciate that. So, um, we've, uh, next week there, by the way, next week there will not be a show because I'm going to an AI conference. Um, Ooh. so, um, you know, I want to, I want to keep up on that, and there's going to be a an, uh, an elevation conference with the A and the I bolded and uh, capitalized in Ooh. elevation. Uh, even though they're not next to each other, there's a T in the middle, but hey, <laughs> it kind of works. Yeah, um, you know. <clears throat> but I've been working on a lot of AI thoughts for uh, working with teachers and and that and because it's something that's not going away and it's something we're going to talk about more and as we go through the rest of the show as well um but i've been working on an ai like i said ai thoughts and how it's going to play what the district what i think the district needs to do and uh starting to lead some of those conversations uh amongst teachers as well so all right um and one thing that AI will not be able to do is be social, or will it? But let's well, take a look at the current social web. Yeah, let's look at the humans being social. There, <laughs> you know, I think AI will be social in the future, especially when we get later in the show. I think we'll talk about it, some things that it could be, yeah. um, especially after, well, two weeks from now, when you've been to that conference, I think we'll have a lot more to talk about in that respect. Um, but speaking of the social web, uh, Matt Miller at Matt Miller. Of course, Matt Miller is the Mr. Ditch That Textbook. Really good book. Mm-hmm. Um, posted this. He said, it's been eight years. And this is my first teacher work day in eight years. Desks are arranged. My desk is cleaned. Planning lessons. I used the words my classroom recently for the first time in years. Excited. Let's do this. And he posted some pictures. He's uh, teaching Spanish. Looks like high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So welcome back, Matt. And, um, and we wish you the best of luck in your, your Spanish classroom there. And that's Um, pretty unusual for an edu celebrity to. Yeah. Go back to the classroom. I mean, a lot of them come from the classroom. Yep. But it's kind of rare for them to go back to the classroom. So, um, so yeah, I think that kind of increases his clout with uh, probably a lot of people. I think you're right. Including Ron Heltman at Ron Heltman. 
Uh, Google is getting into the AI generated video game too. Check out Video Poet from Google Research. Now, I did check it out, and you can't actually use it yet. But they did put some examples in there, and there's one I want to try. I was trying to do it today, and I couldn't do it. That's why I, I popped on really quick. I said, try, try, try and get in. See if you can find like where to log on. I can't find it. And he's like, no, no Sean, it's research. You, you can't. So um, what it does is uh, you use text to video. So in other words, you you pick a theme and it's editable. That's the, the thing is once you get it done, you can actually edit some of the pieces and parts of this. But essentially you read into the microphone what you want to see on the screen. And then Google AI generates the um, the video for you. Is it like full cinema ready? No, it's not. It's uh, like a mini storyboard type of thing, but I'll take that. So what I want to do, this is what I want to do. My mm -hmm. dream, right? Here we go. Okay. Google AI's video poet. What I would like to do is I would like to read the Jabberwocky into it and see what it comes up with. Mm, and yeah. then I want to do it like four different ways and see if it comes up with four different interpretations. Because according to the author, the Jabberwocky really doesn't have any meaning. It's just whatever meaning you attribute to it. Correct. Depending on how you read it. And so that's what I want to play with. Uh, that's my test for uh, video poet. Because I think it could be a lot of fun, too. I think mean, you could turn that into some projects for the kids, right? All right. So take and read your thing. Now, you have to read with emphasis and you have to read with with emotion and with uh, – because the computer's going to listen to that. And it's going to interpret your words and put pictures to that. So be interesting to see what happens there. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Ron. All right, you're on the radar. I'm going to watch for Video Poet. Uh, something else, and speaking of edge celebrities, is the Sloan Keynote Speaker Workshop facilities, or Facilitator at uh, P. Sloan Joseph. Um, as we return to the new year, now's a great time to reflect, renew, and redo the following and there's a whole list of tags that I left out of here, but it's middle school. And mm -hmm. it's a it's a card that he's made for his, you know, edge celebrity business. And it says, for first week of school mindsets, I try to hold. And of course, Marcus Luther is the uh, uh, the author here. First one is control what you can control, prepare what you can prepare, because there are things you can't. I remember when we were in, in Beijing teaching those Chinese teachers from Wenzhou, um, that their administrators had told them to prepare for everything. And I asked them how they do that. And they said, we don't know. That's why we're asking you. And I said, I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> you teach middle school. It can't be done. Just do your best. That's all you can do. And, and they're like, no, we can't tell our administrators that. I said, what? you're going to have to, because that's <laughs> the reality. So we had, that was a fun conversation we had. And once we had said that, you know, and it, you could just watch the stress leave their shoulders, right? And and when we went back into our regular class, because we had that, we talked, had that talk in the big room. But as we were back in the in the in the classroom, you could see them responding differently to what you and I were teaching them, right. because they had a much better understanding that we understood them and their situation, and we were giving them permission to be teachers and not to be uh, paper pushers, because that's what they were they were feeling like at the time. Uh, number two, um, structure is your friend and is the path to flexibility too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, plans, uh, never survive first contact with the enemy, but planning is absolutely necessary. I'm going to have to do some planning here for next week. Um, 
going back into the year. Uh, number three, be generous towards students. Choose connection over reaction. Definitely, especially when they're coming off a break. You're going to have to reteach them your structure. They want it. They just don't know it yet. Number four, hold yourself accountable to the classroom community you want. And, um, it, you know, if you want it, make sure you give it uh, in that respect. So those are four good tips, I think, from uh, mm -hmm. Marcus, Luther, teacher, and um, facilitator, workshop facilitator. Larry Ferlazzo. Larry Ferlazzo posts about everything. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> and you're saying to yourself, I don't get this, Sean. Why did you put this in there? Well, I did a survey with my kids and I said, if I came up with a course for you to do on your own, like a 10 week mini course, totally on your own, what topics you want me to cover? The number one topic was cooking. And I looked at them and I said, I may be fat, but that doesn't mean I make my own food. Okay. I may not be the best choice for this. And they're like, well, that's what we want. So, okay. All right. That's I get it. But, you know, read the room too. Okay. And they'll mm -hmm. go, okay. But one of the ones that popped up was slavery. Nothing specific, just the word slavery. And I thought that was interesting. And Larry Falazzo posted an infographic, countries with the highest prevalence of slavery. So maybe this is what they're talking about. You know, men across America are thinking about the Roman Empire and middle schoolers are thinking about slavery. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But uh, it was an interesting infographic. So I throw that in there. And it's from Statista. And uh, it's infographic. And you can, there should be a link uh, if you go to Larry's uh, Twitter feed and uh, you'll find him doing some more. Go to his webpage. There's all kinds of stuff over there. And then we have a word for you. We have a word okay. for you this week. Yes. All right. Here we go. Uh, Susie Dent at Susie underscore Dent. Word of the day is frontistry. It's the uh, 17th century, a place to withdraw for thinking or contemplation. If no frontistry is available, then to le Latibulate is to find a corner to hide in it. Yeah. So there you go. Two words for you. Yes. I Just for you. would like to to find a nice latibulation. Latibulate. You know, you know, in front of your office, put in latibulation station and see what happens. Latibulation station. I may do that actually. <clears throat> Okay, uh, one thing I will do is I'm going to share a couple of resources that I have for you. Um, one is uh, CK12 or CK12. Never sure how to say that one. Um, has a new a, a new um, series called the Plix series, and this is math and social studies, math and social math and science. Uh, and they have a bunch of branches here under math. They have arithmetic, measurement, algebra, geometry, probability, statistics, trigonometry, analysis, and calculus. Under science, they have under science they have earth science, light science, physical science, biology, chemistry, and physics. And you can select the the ones that you are interested in, um, and it'll give you the tabs. And they have a bunch of video series and things that you can use. CK12 is a uh, OER, open source resource, open educational resources. Um, so they have a, 
they're, they're, this is in kind of a, um, an advancement, um, a, kind of a change. They have the, they have some interactives, whereas they used to be just print materials. They have some of this. So um, this is free, and this is free to use. And you may find some really good resources here to uh, help you, help your kids understand a variety of, uh, of things. So it is definitely something worth checking out. Um, all right. Um, and I know you're familiar with the CK12, um, but have you seen the Plix stuff? It's not social studies, so. I have not, but this is interesting because the uh, I, I chose algebra, and um, it's interesting that the problems that they've given me was an algebra problem, the very first thing, but it's a matter of um, take the parentheses and move them to the right space to get the right result. And I like that level of uh, problem solving and thinking. Mm -hmm. um, I remember CK12. It's funny because they used to do ISTE conferences and all of the uh, people who worked at CK12 would wear these blue fuzzy bunny slippers. And they were just known as the bunny people. And all of the women at the conference were completely offended that they would wear these blue bunnies around instead of wearing real shoes. And that's how <laughs> I remember it. That's Funny the things that stick with you after all these years, and I don't know that right. ISTE was like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Anyway, Denver. It's all ISTE. it's all about the it's all about the novelty. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and they've they've I mean I've used some of their stuff. They have some good stuff. Um, this is something that's kind of new and a new advancement. So, um, I think it is worth checking out. Uh, even though I don't usually do math or science, some of the things are pretty cool. And it's neat that uh, a lot of them have the concepts listed and they have standards as well. So if you're looking for a specific standard, I think you can search for uh, those standards. Um, so, yeah, if you, uh, if you teach... Any of the math or social the math? Why do I want to do so? I want to do social studies really, really bad. Math or science? Definitely check that out. Probably because social studies where, I, <laughs> where I, you know I I like the social studies. So, um, another one that I found that was this is just kind of fun. This is called the language guesser, hmm. and. You can you can create an account and you can sign in where it will keep track of what you're doing and all that good stuff. But you can also use this completely um, anonymously by using the quick play feature. So they're not collecting any information. You don't get badges or points or anything. Um, you'd have to log in to do that. And I didn't really look closely at their privacy policy. I just did the quick play. And the quick play is you click on something and you get a little, you get a map and then you get a little box and the box has a play symbol and a place a pin symbol. So what you do is you listen to the audio and then you try to identify where that audio comes from. Um, so this oh. is something that could be this could even be like a um, 
like an advisory activity or small group activity, have the kids talk about, okay, where do you think this is coming from? Why do you think it's coming from there? Because it's not, it, not ne- it's not necessarily going to be in English. It can be in any language. Um, so you got to try to use the cues and clues that you can pick up. And then, obviously, if you have somebody who speaks that language, they are going to be a ringer. <laughs> yeah. And very helpful. <laughs> right? Um, so it ju- it's just something that could be fun. Um, and again, you, I didn't look closely at their, at their privacy policy, but the, um, the, the quick play one means that you don't, you don't have to create anything. You can just play along and see. So I thought that was fun. Thought I'd share that one. Um, I also had somebody ask me about groups and doing groups this, um, this this week not only groups but kind of doing a stick pick the stick kind of thing um and over at spinthewheel.io uh this is one that i really like um in large part because you can create multiple um wheels at once so the use case here is they had like they had four groups and they wanted to pick somebody from each group to report out. So what we did is we set up four wheels with the names of the kids in each uh, of each group. And then you'd spin the wheel and bingo, it would pick one kid from that group. You'd spin the next wheel and do the next group and that kind of thing. Um, There's no ads on here, which I think is really neat. Um, You can copy paste in your uh, data, your information. Um, you can put little titles in the in the wheel, in the middle of the wheel. Um, so you can call them group one, group two, group three, group four. Um, and then you can animate what happens when you spin a wheel and it stops. You can get confetti or that kind of thing. Um, again, completely free. It does, uh, and I like that it does the multiple um, wheels. They give you some tips for how you can use it as well. Um, So, there's just a lot of flexibility there. Uh, It's a good one to have in your back pocket, I think. Uh, Have you ever used Spin the Wheel, Sean? This one? Um, Not not this particular one. Um, There's another one that I I used on... uh on um, iPad because I love my tablets. Um, and it's ironic because the last time I used this one with you was when we were in uh, in China and, and uh, Lucy was on the board and Lucy contacted us today, which made me think of <laughs> so that whole circle of thought going on there. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, and then there's one that you found that uh, I started looking through as well, but I'll let you um, take the lead on this one. Oh, this is this is for you. This is the one I referenced at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Robert Orban was a joke writer here in the United States, right? Yes. Wrote jokes for TV shows, presidents, all kinds of things. And he kept them on three by five cards. 
in a index file and boxes and boxes and boxes of jokes. All of those are now at the Library of Congress. And you can go get them. So we've set Troy up for years. The show can never end. <laughs> we've set him up for years of uh, of, of jokes. Uh, a lot of them came from the Skeleton, Red Skeleton show. Mm -hmm. And um, so those of you who love dad jokes, there you go. Lots of good Red Skeleton jokes. Um, so there you go. And there's a, a link to the blog at the uh, the uh, um, in our show notes. Uh, Troy, I've already lost him. He's already clicked on the Robert Orban papers. Matter of fact, I just realized I misspelled Orban. I'll fix that really quick. Um, there you go. But do there take a look. 23,800 items. Oh, is that all? <laughs> well, shucks. That should carry you for ever. Yes, that should carry you forever. How many? We've been doing the show for 16 years. <laughs> How many, yeah. uh, how many jokes do you think I've done over those 16 well, years? What I'm curious is, did you take them and put them into a glossary activity in Moodle where you, you could just simply pull on that? Imagine taking his 23,000 jokes, putting them into a glossary file, and then doing a random glossary entry in Moodle so that, you know, every time the kid refreshed the page, there's, there's so many jokes there. You know, how many before you run into the next or, or repeat of the previous joke? I don't know. I wonder if these could be downloaded as a CSV file and then just imported. Oh, oh! by the way, I figured out how to import um, questions as a text file into H5P next two weeks from now. I'll, I'll share that with you. But Oh, it's so cool. Oh, it's so much. Oh, it's so easy. And then use uh, ChatGPT to generate the summary questions. Oh, 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 oh. copy paste. <laughs> okay. Sorry. There's that little. That's all right. Yeah, but you've been playing with uh, something uh, more graphic than H. So yeah, so one of the things that I did come across is something that's in development, and it's called Graphite. It's available over at graphite.rs, and this is an open source project, which means it's going to be completely free. And one of the things, and and this is like rastering and vector layouts, right? So this is uh, a way to create graphics, a way to create images, and they are even um, they're um, the the roadmap um, says that they are they have the, their planned features <clears throat> include image editing, digital painting, desktop publishing, uh, VFX com com uh, compositioning motion graphics and they're focused on graphic design right now so <clears throat> this is something that is really powerful it is an early development right now but but it is available for mac for windows for linux um and web um it's also available for the ipad which I, I forgot to bring forward. But because it's available on the web, that means Chromebooks can use this as well. So oh. um, this is one of those things that's going to feel like, so I just, um, I'm wondering if kids can't use this 
to create artwork, to create their own images. So if they're doing presentations, they can create images. Um, they have a pretty interesting development plan. Um, and they are implementing a lot of things that I think are really feature rich and important, like non-destructive editing. Uh, so they're using node driven layers, which is kind of interesting. Um, and um, they're going to also support SVG, as I understand it, and potentially export as SVG, which is uh, which means that you can resize something and not lose any quality. So hmm. it is uh, it's interesting, um, and they've got some they've got some interesting kind of prospects as well. Um, so, uh, I, there's something to definitely something I think to look at and to watch as, uh, as we move forward. And I think kids can play around with it. And once they understand how it works and what it does, it's like, this could be cool. And since it is open source, there's no cost to it. You can just use it and or download and use it depending on what kind of computer that you've got. And it can really teach kids uh, a lot of concepts as well about video, about I image editing. And uh, I think it's something to watch out for. So, um, all right. Um, there is a YouTube video, Four Powerful Anti-Procrastination Tips. Um, I think this is something that could be very useful for uh, sharing with kids. Uh, have them having them watch it and review it. Um, good for, and it's also I think good for teachers to kind of um, help remember or understand why some kids procrastinate, and maybe help them uh, mitigate some of those things. So, oh, let's see here. Um, We've got, uh, Google's got a project called Access Mars, which is a VR kind of uh, thing Ooh. about going to Mars. So, Sean, you might want to check that one out. Yeah. Because um, uh, I know you have an interest in VR. I don't think you're ready to head to Mars, but uh, this will allow no. you to kind of remotely go there and see what's happening. Yeah. Um, um, I'm also going to link to a fortune.com article, uh, social media made $11 billion in U.S. ad sales from minors and therefore has overwhelming financial incentives to avoid protecting children, study finds. Um, obviously, this one has a perspective, but I think it's worth reading through this uh, to kind of understand um, why we're in the position that we're in, why um, some of the social medias uh, aiming at kids. We know that uh, there was uh, with the the Facebook files. We know that Facebook had studied the effects of some of, especially on Instagram, some of the 
images that were being shared and decided to not do anything about it. And this is probably why. <laughs> they have like 11 billion reasons not to. Um, so, you know, be aware of that. We've talked a lot about AI, and I got a feeling we're going to be talking more about it. And you might wonder, AI is largely built on la uh, large language models. And um, Andre Kaparthi has, uh, this is a one-hour uh, talk. It's an intro to large language models, which is very accessible. Um, and how things kind of work and why things, some things might not be fixed that you think, like the hallucinations. Um, you know, you think, oh, they just fix the hallucinations. Like why that might be a little more harder than um, what people think. Um, and this is the underlying, large language models are the underli underlying platform for ChatGPT and BARD and Claude and lots of other things. So if you want to understand large language models, uh, it's, uh, it's a good place to start. Speaking of AI, <laughs> there is, now you're familiar with YouTube, correct, Sean? A little bit, yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, you might be familiar with PeerTube. I don't know if you are or not. Do you know about PeerTube? No, not that one. PeerTube is kind of like YouTube, except it's open source and free, and there's not oh. ads and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now there okay. is also AITube. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. So Why you, not? You want to you guess where the videos from AITube come from? Mm, I'm going to guess either peer or YouTube, but I'm going to guess YouTube. They come from AI. All videos are, are are generated using AI. And they say this is for research purposes only. Sure, sure. And right there yeah. in the header, it says some models might produce factually incorrect or biased outputs. <laughs> yep. Hallucinations yep. are real. But if you want to, uh, if you want to check out, like, okay, what would AI do with video? You can head over there and check it out. They do have, uh, they have a variety of, um, they have a couple different tabs. Um, let me, let me click back in there um, again. And this is from Hugging Face. So they have uh, Discover Channels and Music. And then you have different subsections you can click on. Um, music, animation, Minecraft, lo-fi. Are you familiar with lo-fi? I don't think I am. So I'm lo-fi. I'm a low-tech guy, so. No, no. Lo-fi lo is a, a lot of the kids. I think it it's kind of passed now. It was popular a little while ago. Lo-fi is like low fidelity in, um, sounds low fidelity music okay. that is made to like put on in the background when you're studying or you want to gotcha. concentrate kind of thing. So, um, so they have lo-fi, they have gaming, public domain, cooking, and hip. 
I don't know. There's only two things in hip, but okay. Right and left. Um, or it could have another category: thrown, broken, yeah, uh, joint, um, roof. Um, and as you can probably guess, there are suddenly some things with Mickey Mouse in them. Oh yes, no, that has been showing it like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's been memeing like crazy on the on social media. Yeah, because domain free. Yeah, that public domain. The puns, puns we can't mention here, but yeah, there's yeah. Okay, but what we can mention is culture, and culture yeah. translated, which Just means we asked. would need a culture translate tour. Yeah, and Axis has one of those. <laughs> and so Axis the Culture Translator has got a couple terms that I had not heard till just now. Oh, well, Friday. Um, one is called air wrapped. Now, I don't have an air wrapped problem, issue, desire. <laughs> Troy might. I don't know. Oh, but, God, uh, no. But it's not in my bailiwick. So here's what it is. If you've heard the term, then you know what I'm talking about or may still not know. Um, but here's what it is. Uh, one of teens top Christmas uh, list items for 2023 was a $600 hairstyling system called the Dyson Air Wrap. So uh, as of they're writing the uh, the post, hashtag Dyson Air Wrap has 5.9 billion TikTok views. The tool comes with multiple attachments and aims to help users achieve a range of hairstyles, including the voluminous beach waves that influences favor. This, so this is a flashback to the early eighties, isn't it? Cause yeah, they have those volumizers. I was just thinking, right? uh, golly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm not crazy. Beehive is next. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> like many others. Wow. Those come back. I mean, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, you have to find me a chair just so I can sit and think for a second. Uh, like many other expensive things that teens favored this year, including Stanley tumblers, the videos on those have just been nuts, white fox sweats, and Hoka sneakers. Okay, brand I haven't heard of yet. Oh, um, oh Hoka is fascinating. Hoka was an old person's sneakers. They're the really oh, was it really? They're the really <laughs> chunky. They were like the orthopedic sneakers. They were really comfortable, yeah. and and they became trendy. Well, there you go. So, so apparently, what's one. old is new again. Uh, they're not so owning either. an. No, no orthopedic and uh, seniors. Uh, yeah. Um, but I bet the comfy part is the part they really like. Owning an air wrap is seen as a status symbol as much as a useful, high-quality product. So start watching for yearbook photos and see what happens. I'm going to drop that one to my eighth graders and see what they tell me uh, next week. Over yonder, Y-O-N-D-R. I don't know. Maybe I did not know that this was um, – it's been around for a long time. But and maybe you have because you're – you have to secure more technology than I do, but yonder makes those cell phone, individual cell phone slip cases that you can lock and be secured during school hours. I don't know if you guys use them or not. We don't, we, don't. we use, we use simply old calculator holders. Um, but uh, 
that's what it is. But the, what people are saying, yonder pouches have been available for almost 10 years and used in schools for about eight. But as scrutiny over how devices may impact how young brains develop, this has continued to increase. So have schools orders for yonder products. School officials interviewed by NBC News noted that the pouches successfully redirected students' attention in the classroom and enhanced the quality of their social interactions face-to-face. Now, there's some blowback on this because... The parents who want to be in contact with their kid all the time That's right. aren't happy that they can't be in contact with their kid all the time. That's so, right. yeah, I'm thinking that uh, this, this, this is, there might be some more positives here than what we realized uh, five or ten years ago when we started talking about this. The Alphas. The Alphas have arrived. What it is, the New York Times published 12 predictions for the for, the, for forces that will shape trends and culture this year. Noting that Gen Alpha has there is posed to influence what's in style. Apparently hokas is one of the things that they're influencing. <laughs> All right. So um, what else could be in store for us? Well, style forecasters in the times predict that rosettes will adorn our clothing. Athletic prowess will be cool again. Thanks to Travis Kelsey and smartwatches will inundate elementary schools and more men will be getting their nails done. Heaven mm-hmm. forbid. Yeah. Um, and the senior members of Gen Alpha finally are old enough to legally engage in public social media spaces. Uh, they may eat, or I'm sorry, they may be out in full force in, to let Gen Z know that old age comes for us all. It's a powerful turning point because you consider the uh, the elements like COVID nineteen, YouTube Shorts, and ubiquitous iPads that have already shaped childhood uh, for this group of people. Gen Alpha is currently defined as people born between 2010 and 2024. And it's estimated that they will number about 2 billion people, the largest generational cohort in history. Yeah. There's a link to, if you want to find out more about Access to Culture Translator, I threw a link at the, in the show notes. So you can, they, they do a weekly newsletter. They do some other things too as well. Uh, they have, um, if you're a parent and you're looking for parenting help, they have lots of good parenting stuff. Um, but they do this uh, weekly newsletter in your email box, and there's a link to the Culture Translator page in our show notes. Absolutely. And we would love it if you would over to, head over to middleschoolmatters.com. Uh, there's a couple links there where you can send us an email, let us know what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear more of, all of that good stuff. And naturally, we'd love it if you'd headed to the podcast catcher of your choice. Give us a five-star mm-hmm. rating. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Uh, and, uh, of course, let your let your friends, let your colleagues know about the show. Um, and we, we really would love to hear from you. Um, with that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer.